On this episode, I have the opportunity to speak with our chief appraiser, Don Lowe. Fund Loans recruited Don to assemble and oversee a panel of appraisers to ensure the highest quality appraisals when working with fund loans. We discuss being an appraiser during the glory days and why sometimes on luxury homes there's a large disparity between value. Listen close as we drill down on why you don't want to be cheap on your appraisal with an AMC, appraisal fraud, how to successfully craft an appraisal rebuttal, and last but not least, what to do when your appraisal comes in below value, because you know it's going to happen at some point. And before we get started, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Let us know what you want to hear. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're here with Don Lowe today, Chief Appraiser of Fund Loans. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, uh, Chief Appraiser, um, you've been in the business a while. Yeah, yeah, 15 years, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot of houses, right? I think we're up to around 10 grand now. 10,000 houses, yeah. 10,000 houses. Yeah. So you've seen them all. You've seen the, the, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly, the pretty. Yeah, lots of stories. Yeah. Lots of stories for sure. <laughs> I've heard a couple already, but do you have any you want to just kind of open us up with? Maybe a, a story of a house. Maybe it was a little unkept or maybe it was pristine, but you know, something yeah, weird. Yeah, I mean, what I've noticed is there's no like clear linear thing saying, oh, if this is a million dollar house or a $200,000 house, one person's going to be clean and one person isn't. Yeah. I've been in $200,000 houses and not the best neighborhoods. You would eat off the floors, like pristine. Yeah. Yep. And then I've been in, one was a $6 million house, beautiful, but I wanted to keep my shoes on <laughs> when I got to the front door and they opened it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really no rhyme or reason. And it's Any crazy kind of, dogs or anything like, Oh, the dogs. Oh, I have some crazy dog stories. <laughs> I'll go down some tangents there, but, um, yeah, some people think their dogs are fine, Yeah. but they're really not, they're not fine. <laughs> garage or crate or backyard anywhere is fine, but they're big pit bulls or Rottweilers. You ever been, uh, like attacked? By- I've been nipped a couple times, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but normally I just kind of now after all these years to say, you know what? I'd be more comfortable if you, put that dog away i'd appreciate it yeah I, and then you know, I, I mean you're right everyone loves their dog but you never know when the dog might not love you exactly <laughs> i'm a stranger coming to their house yeah so yeah. The good, i want to talk a little bit about to start out the good old days and i, I say that kind of you know not ha- like half serious because obviously the good old days led to the not so good old days but um there was some days when you know loan officers would just call you up and i'm sure you remember hey man uh can you get a value on this one two three main street and you you know you'd have to oh, come yeah. back with the value and you know I, i'm sure you're not going to incriminate yourself but i think everyone wanted to make deals work and every you know all the appraisers out there were pretty much feeling a little bit like you know if you didn't come into the value right that like maybe the guy was or the girl was going to go to the next appraiser that would, right? It was kind of like that back then? Yeah. I mean, there's always been, like in any business, um, you know, five, 10% of people that are a little bad actors, pretty sure. unscrupulous. Um, and I really didn't consider myself or anybody I worked with in those, in that category. Right. However, there's some logic involved. Obviously, it's a business relationship. Right. But these things are still being reviewed even back then. Um, so you definitely would say, hey, can I get one million for this? Right. And you would take a look. Now and have all these caveats when you get back to them. Hey, if it's really upgraded, that view is really mm-hmm. killer, then there's a chance. Right, right. But that's that's best you can really say unless you have like five model matches that sold last week that are all the same, then 
you know the value is there. Like, no, it's sorry, yeah. it's five hundred. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but there was some pressure back in the day for sure. It was right. the wild, wild west, and um, I definitely had to say no to a lot of shady people, especially when mm-hmm. I was starting to, you know, I say oh eight ish, early oh eight, maybe late oh seven. Right. When I was starting to head down. People yeah. start getting hungry and desperate, borrowers, brokers, everybody. Yeah. So do you think that um, we went in the right direction? Like, do you think we, you know, obviously we, we completely changed the model. Like you can't, like, I can't even talk to you right now. This is totally legal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like as an originator, I can't call you up. I can't say, hey, is there value here anymore? Um, but like, what do you, do you think we did the right thing as, as an industry? Like going in? Yeah, I see what, what your question is. Um, there, just like any big mistake, the government came in and kind of overcorrected it. Right, right. So they started with HVCC, Home Valuation Code of Conduct, mm-hmm. and that made it sound like you had an AMC, appraisal management company, right. between the loan officer and the appraiser. Like a firewall. Like a firewall, right. which is fine. It's less pressure. However, it kind of morphed into the AMC becoming the most important player of those three players. Right. Um, so the fees, when it was really slow, the AMC would charge the borrower 850, 900 for a regular house, pay the appraiser 275, 300 and keep 500 bucks. That's like extortion. It is extortion. And so they were getting bad appraisals or appraisers that wouldn't work for those fees. Right. So the quality went down. Mm-hmm. Sure, you had this firewall, but it really was just an overcorrection. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I noticed as, you know, when I originated a loan, in a, especially in the jumbo space, you're going to get, you know, appraisal comes in at $5 million, and then another appraisal comes in a million less at $4 million, and you're like, how is this happening? Like, do you, do you have an answer? Because I know our viewers probably have had the same thing happen to them, where one appraisal comes in way high. Are you thinking, wow, that's the right value, right? Mm-hmm. Or it comes in low first, then it comes in high on the second one. Because all the loans, you know, when you're going over a million and a half, you have to get two appraisals these days. So what do you think is going on there? Is it is it like just they both don't know what they're doing? Is one know what they're doing? The other one's, you know, because I don't think they're pushing value, really, because the God forbid they push a value in something. Because they don't have really an incentive to push value, right? I mean, an appraiser... No, no incentive to push value um, because everything's getting reviewed once, twice, three, four times. Who knows? Right. All these uh, models they have out there now. Um, I, my opinion on why that happens a lot is kind of has to do a little bit with the AMC model still coming into play. Mm-hmm. And I myself will get, because you have a license and you cover a certain county, we'll get emails from these AMCs fastest turn time, cheapest bid. Wow. And I've seen appraisals where the guy's getting 250 on an $8 million property, 8,000 square feet on the ocean in Laguna Beach. Jeez, but he might need the money. And so the appraisers, like if the, if the rates are high and, and, and slow, you know, you might, you might do that. You might go do yeah. it, but you're like, you're not happy about doing it. No, right? and nor are you going to care or take the time necessary because you're getting paid 20 bucks an hour, basically. You get what you pay for. Exactly. So um, a lot of my former clients, when I had my shop all by myself, and that's all I did, would be direct lender types with their own appraisal desks. Right. Not go through an AMC. Just have like a portal they went through to keep it um, air compliant. Nice, nice. Yeah. So so you think that the AMC kind of did a disservice to the, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot with because I know AMCs are important to appraisers, right? It's like the feeder of, of most of everyone's business if you're an appraiser these days. But do you think that that model really just kind of... I mean, did, did appraisers, did, did people quit like the appraisal business during that time? Or sure. Like, well, Cause it's like, well, I'm not doing this business for half the price. Very common, especially the older guys were like, maybe we're hung on if it was a regular market. Yeah. Um, but 
definitely people got out of the business and not a lot of new appraisers coming into the business. Right. Um, so it's a really old demographic. Um, but now it's a lot better. I don't want to diss all AMCs, disrespect sure. them. But I would say, you know, 60 to 70% are like, how much profit can we gain as sure. being this middleman? Well, they're a business, yeah. They're- yeah, but the ones that are sustainable are the ones that have appraisers that they gain loyalty from, right. pay a fair fee, fair fee to the borrower, fair fee to the lender, yeah. everybody wins. Um, and there's some out there, but the majority are kind of the opposite. Because like, one of the things I see happening is is you'll get an appraiser like, a, you know, maybe a borrower will call me and say, hey, I, I have to tell you this appraisal thing went terrible. And it was, you know, the appraiser was like, they weren't even from the area. They were from like, you know, whatever way far away, like sure. maybe their house is on the water. But then the appraisal, uh, the appraiser came in and he's from like way inland, you know, has no idea about the market in that area. So like, what would you say? I mean, is that happened quite a bit where like, you know, an AMC, like you said, they'll just throw out a bid and then maybe a guy from or a girl from the inland you know, inland area will will just say, I'll come in for cheaper where maybe the guy on the coast is is hundred percent. That happens every day, every so many appraisal orders, that happens. Wow. So that's that's probably explains why that's another factor. Getting, Cheap fee, ter- quick turnaround time, don't know the area. Right. That's a bad combo for any broker, any lender, any borrower. Right. Nobody wins in that one. Right. So so one of the thing also that's like a pet peeve of mine that just irks me so bad is when you get a low value and you, and you just try to do a rebuttal and you're just you know maybe you're kissing your kissing their ass cuz you just like you have no power anymore as <laughs> sure. and and rightfully so you shouldn't have power necessarily as a loan officer but there's no like i think i i think i rebuttaled maybe 10 appraisals in my in, in my career as a you know post crash Every single one of them said sorry, except for one, and that was only because it was due to square footage. Mm-hmm. But like every other time, nope, this is my opinion. It was my opinion. It's my opinion. I mean, as an appraiser, did you ever like get a rebuttal like that where you were like, nah, this is my opinion. I'm just going to keep it? Or did you kind of like, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, but- no. It's nothing, and there's nothing unethical about a rebuttal. Right. You're saying, okay, I found these errors and or omissions and you present it in a logical fashion that makes sense. Right. Um, the rebuttals or appraisers will do that. Oh, it's my opinion. I'm standing by it. Yeah. Is A, they're in two camps. The one camp, they're just an idiot and they got paid 250 for that appraisal. Yeah, they just don't even want to And they don't want to deal with it anymore. Right. Or people that have, you know, genuine knowledge and care and concern about their clients, they do look at it like, maybe I made an error. Sure. We're human beings. Right. There's like 1,800 different fields you have to input. Sure. Maybe you made an error. Maybe you missed a comp. Right. So I think it's as long as a well-educated, well-reasoned rebuttal. Right. And not in an abusive, demeaning tone. Right. I think a logical appraiser will listen to that and at least consider it. Yeah. And I've seen multiple overturn, and I've overturned multiple, like, you know what? They have a case there. Yeah. This one is actually a little bit nicer than that one. So yeah. I see their point. And you adjust it. And you make comments why you did it. And it's not a pressure thing. It's, like you don't get dinged or docked. Do you by the AMC if you if you have to change your appraisal or do you? Some of them do. Some of the big like grind it out they'll ones grade they'll like say how many revisions you had per oh. appraisal. And whether they're good or bad, it doesn't really matter. Right. It would have just a typo or you missed a comp or square footage was wrong. Yeah. Interesting. So those are again kind of the churning right. They're usually bad on all kind of the levels. So what do you think the um I guess not percentage, but how how much of the was it the appraisers or the appraisal pushing value kind of what, what, what do you think how much of that led to the crash? Do, um, do I'd think, say it had a part in it. Yeah. But 
was it the major part? No, no. in my opinion. Because like <laughs> I said at the very beginning, the there's just bad actors in every business. Whether sure. you're a plumber, a doctor, a attorney, whatever it is, they're going to yeah. have that 5%, 10% that are, have no morals, are unscrupulous, and they'll cheat, lie, and steal. Well, and also, I mean, lenders were looking the other way, right? They're, they're looking at these, they're looking at the values, and they're looking at them go up and up and up, and they're, you know, the lender's the one giving the money. It's, so at the end of the day, I really think it, you know, obviously... Even if an appraiser says the value's here, you know, it's not necessarily the appraiser that, you know, is they're push they say the appraiser pushed the values. That's partly why the crash happened. But I honestly I'm with you. I think it, it's at the end of the day, you know, it's it's up to the underwriter, up to the the lender to say that value's not there. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't agree with the value, or that's why there's, you know, a review process and all that stuff. And that so. has improved some things, I think. Yeah, the review process now. Right, right. So um how about market timing? You know, it's something I don't think of very often as a as a loan originator. But when when you, especially when you're dealing with these high end properties, right? Like market timing could mean a lot. It, it could it could really, especially if you're an underwriter or you're appraiser reviewing appraiser reviewer or a chief appraiser. When you're looking at an appraisal, do you look at the market timing much on a, on the big ones? You mean as far as like sale time, like how often, how, how long, long it took, how long days on market? Right, days on market. Oh, for sure. And obviously, the higher properties, the higher end properties, the bigger ones right. are going to have longer days on market. Right. Because not a lot of people can afford those homes. Yeah. Whereas the entry level, you know, starter home, townhouse in a decent neighborhood, those are going to go quick because everybody can afford them a decent credit and decent income. Right, right. So it's just natural economics, supply and demand kind of thing. Mm hmm. But if something's super unique and everybody wants that and it's the best of the best, that's where the reviews are hard and the appraisals are hard and you need someone underwriting, investor side and appraiser side to really understand the big picture of things, not stick in the boxes that sometimes the secondary market will keep you in mm-hmm. comps within a mile within six months like no there's not a lot of these so we all have to think outside the box and think big picture how much would someone else pay for this property also right a typical buyer yeah, i heard one time from an investor they said uh you know a 10 million dollar house could quickly become a six million dollar house if say the decor whatever the style of house changes and then all of a sudden they don't want that house anymore and, and no one wants that house because of whether it's too big or whatever it's changing sure. in, the, in the in the economy have you noticed any kind of changes or trends in the economy that would, you know, I know we hear about the millennials, they all want smaller mini houses and whatnot, or no houses or, um, you know, and things like that. But like, have you, have you seen a trend in, in like market days on market for bigger homes? And yeah, I think so that, you know, just generational wise, Mm -hmm. I think the, the baby boomers is just my two cents on it with 10,000 houses doing this for all this time that people maybe in their thirties, even successful people in their 40s, even early 50s now, they don't want 18,000 square foot houses. They don't? I mean, Richie they do. Rich. They do. <laughs> but they think about it and like, okay. Do I really want to take care of this? 7,000 is pretty sweet. Yeah. 6,000 is pretty sweet. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of that, you know, logic and kind of just thinking like, how much do I really need? And then right. you can travel with the rest of your money you just saved yeah. and the upkeep and whatnot. So I do see that, you know, kind of, Maybe that's the richest of the rich of the tiny home people. Does that make sure. sense? Sure. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was looking in Redfin, I think, on one of our podcasts, and I think I Googled, I, I put in Redfin 10 million minimum 
and I pulled the zip code out in, in Los Angeles and there was like 133 listings over $10 million. <laughs> and, and so, you know, talking about market time days on market, I mean, that's like, how long will that take to go through? I mean, there'd have to be, you know, another big tech boom or, or like what could, how long would that take to get through? Oh my goodness. Is that, is that a, that's a crisis waiting to happen. I mean, right. That's like, someone's, something's going to correct itself. Yeah. Whether the prices are going to come down or they're not going to try to sell these kind of homes anymore and definitely not build them anymore. Right. It's hard to say what will happen in the future, but. Cause there's only so many Beyonce's, right? <laughs> <laughs> only one queen bee. Right. But like, I mean, think about, I, I think about how, how much it would take to afford a place like that and who, because there's a lot of actors. I was looking at Game of Thrones actors, what they get paid. And I think it was like uh, the main two, the two highest paid per episode. And there's only six episodes, right? So they were, it was like something like 1.1 million per episode or 1.2 million. And this is like one of the top shows in, yeah. in the country or in the world. And, you know, there's six episodes, so maybe they'll make six million, seven million dollars, you know, and then after taxes and they're not going to be able to afford an $18 million house. They're not buying those houses, no. No. And like, so, I mean, you're in LA, you know, there obviously is a lot of foreign money. There's a lot of other people, but like when you've gone through and, and seen big homes, like who, who are these people? Are they just family money, wealthy, like, like what, yeah, what, from your perspective? Take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's usually two camps. It's family money, mm-hmm. generational wealth, right. Being passed down and being taken care of the entire time or someone hits it big on their business. Right. They build a business in Scottsdale or Chicago, wherever, mm-hmm. sell it at 49, 50 years old. They don't want to stay there. <laughs> they don't want to be there in the summer in Scottsdale or in Chicago in the winter. Right. And they move to LA, San Diego, Bay area, right. Santa Barbara. And they just buy something cash. They just got a check for forty million. Right. Like, I'll buy a house for eleven, and yeah. I'll keep the other twenty-nine. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. So, um, let's see. What about values right now? What you're you're seeing? You know, your eyes are on appraisals every day, all day long. What are you seeing as far as the trends in the real estate market right now? Are you seeing any kind of softening? Is it just it's geographical? Is it geographical, like in different areas and pockets? Because everyone says, like, you know, some areas are going to always do great, like coastal and then other areas like you know boomtown like not boomtown but like like mountains where there's ski resorts or where there's colleges and universities are always going to be you know a need for housing and things like that um do you see is there any area are there any areas right now that you're seeing kind of some weakness right Um, now besides the one that we just talked about yeah yeah definitely that range but i think also um once you get past like the upper middle class kind of thing um Locally here in San Diego County, you know, once you're above like one five, okay, that's where it kind of there's a lot less buyers, right? Because that's bills are big mortgage payments, and you yeah. gotta qualify for those. True. And um, at a certain point, the median income isn't there, so you know, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand, all day long. But that's where I'm seeing the bigger supply again goes back to the supply, right? Simple economics 101. There's this much supply. And there's only selling one of those every six months mm-hmm. or every month for the $1.7 million house. Right. How much can it sustain before it's a game of chicken? Yeah. And the guy like, you know, I need to get out of here. I'm selling this for one three instead of one six like everybody else. And right. it's going to sell tomorrow. Right, right. So when does that game end? So as to answer your original question, it's pretty flat overall. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of cost of living increase, one, two percent a year. Right. Locally and most nationwide. But it's not dropping. It's not crashing. Right. And there's no signs of that. 
Yeah, I mean, because like you said, supply and demand. I mean, it's they're not they haven't built too many houses, right? Like you have little pockets of little developments, but nothing crazy where there's like these massive developments with like you know six fit seven phases and hundred homes per phase. It's like no. there's none of that like that I know of. Well, there's no land left right. in Southern California, right? Um, so it's all all the new stuff. The builders I've talked to, it's all a lot of attached products. Yep. stuff people can get into and they can move and turn, make some profit on. Yeah. What about condo? I remember back in. Five when there was a huge shift to um, what were they called? Con- not condo tells, but um, condo conversions. Conversions, yeah, yeah, for sure. Is that happening at all? Or? I haven't seen it since then. I've seen a couple smaller projects, mm-hmm. but um, I think the rents have been so high. Yeah, have really like some guy owns his property or Reed owns a property, mm-hmm. and like should we convert these? No, we're getting five percent more every six months for the last eight years on right. rent. So let's just keep this going. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like I, I heard on the news something like I think San Francisco is, is like one of the top. I think it was San. I think they said San Diego. I don't know if this is true, but they said San Diego was one of the highest rental markets as far as like cost. I believe so, especially how much they the median income in San Diego County versus the median rent versus San Francisco, more income and higher rents, obviously, as well. So um, you get to see on on appraisals, you get to see the rental income. Has that gone up like quite a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, across the board, one bedrooms up to a big. 8,000 square foot single family homes. Do you think that'll convert to people wanting to stop throwing money away on rent and buy a place? Like do you th- like what what point does that continue to go yeah. up, right? To where all of a sudden they're like, geez, I'm paying so much in rent, I could afford a house. Like I remember when that happened back in the early 2000s and it was like similar where like people were like, well, shoot, I can, I can afford a house now more than I could afford rent. Oh, sure. I mean, that's, to me, that's the logical play. Just compare the cost, right. tax write-offs. I don't know if some of that has to do with the recent tax changes with the American write-off, sure. property taxes, and interest income. Right. But I mean, at a certain point, it just makes sense yep. to me to own totally. a home. Yeah. Cool, man. What else? Uh, any 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 crazy stories that uh, that you've had? You know, in your 15 years of being an appraiser, like there's got to be something you want to tell us. Well, there's something really crazy that happened. I'll try to keep it concise. Um, I was appraising a property in inland San Diego County, a town called Escondido. Yep. It's a warm summer day. It was like 95 degrees, mm-hmm. and the house was not vacant, but there was nobody home. And the listing agent said, "The guy's a cop. He's gone all day. You're fine." There's dogs in the dog around the side of the house. Great. Lockbox combo, put it in, do my whole thing. And then my phone, my iPhone, the just kind of froze up, so I couldn't take any more photos. Mm-hmm. So I went to reset it. And so I just set it on the kitchen counter and went into the garage to measure the garage with mm-hmm. my laser measure. Door closed behind me, and I get in there, and I go, okay, measured it, go back into the house. It's got an automated automatic lock on the inside of the house. <laughs> so here I'm stuck in this garage in Escondido in 90 degree weather. Oh man! And I go, okay, well I'll just open the garage door and go out yeah. the garage and come back in the front door. No big deal. Right. There's two padlocks on the garage door, like old school on the inside. <laughs> I go, oh, okay, I'll just go out the side door here. <laughs> And, you know, go around the house. I yeah. keep, it's, there's a lock. Logical. But that is exactly where the two Dobermans in the dog run were. <laughs> Literally attached to the, the chain so link fence. you attached. open that door, they I'm, attack you and yes. you're dead. <laughs> so basically, I climbed out the window and went on top of that. The dog run? Dog thing? run. But it had a ceiling on of chain link. And they're like jumping up, almost getting me. <laughs> I'm sweating to death. 
I'm not a small guy. It was not a good situation, but I crawled across and made it out. <sighs> wow, was it worth their two hundred forty dollars? I did not do it for two forty. Nor have I ever done that, one for two forty. That was back in the yes. day. Yeah, yeah. But that was only probably five six years ago. It was wow. a funny story. That is funny, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we think of an appraiser. You go out and you just do, you know, you measure real quick and you do this quick report. But it's a lot of freaking work to do an appraisal. Oh yeah, a lot of work and a lot of risk. Okay. Because so, we all have Arizona emissions insurance. Oh right. There's right. attached to every single appraisal report. Yep. And when things go sideways on a loan that's foreclosed on or mm-hmm. short sale, mm-hmm. they're going to investigate that whole loan file with the fine tooth comb. Yeah, they will. And right in that appraisal is this guy that says $1.5 million of Arizona business insurance right there. And they go right after you. <laughs> Let's try to see what this guy did wrong. Oh, so man. that's why appraisal is so important. There's a lot of risk. And that's why you should never do it for cheap or pay cheaply for them. Right. Because it's just so important to the, it's the collateral the loan is being based off of. Yeah. So to me to try to save 200 bucks, 600 bucks mm-hmm. on this big piece of property that has so many stakeholders involved, the right. loan officer, the title, the, down the road, the American public in some cases, mm-hmm. investors, REITs. Yep. To me, it's a weird thing to cheap out on. Yeah, you don't want to cheap <laughs> <You> out. <know? laughs> yeah, yeah that that's actually brings up a good point. Like when, when I talk to a, a borrower and they say, you know, normally they don't ever balk at an appraisal fee, but sometimes they'll say, well, like, you know, why, why are there two appraisal fees or, and you, you tell them why, but, um, and then, and then if they ever say anything about, you know, the appraisal fee, it's, it's, you get what you pay for and, and almost always that's, you know, the easiest way to tell them because sure. nobody wants to pay for a cheap appraisal, especially when they're trying to get a, the highest value that they can possibly get. And so I, I just think, you know, it's so important, and I think that's why we brought you on as our chief appraisers because we want to give the value and and you know to every file that we have. We want to put the the quality and the tension on on these because you know at the end of the day we're not going to have you know if, if you do bring a loan to fund loans we don't we're not going to have two appraisals that are that far off because you tell us how that you would kind of keep that from happening. Sure, um, it's very easy. Because what we're trying to do here at Billy, our own panel, right. is a kind of a mesh of the old school where you get the great service, the loyalty, right. no fraud, just service, loyalty, and quality. Right. And we can pay them a fair fee mm-hmm. and give them a decent turn time, not have to rush through it. Right. Because we want quality, yep. we want loyalty, and we want good quality reports that will stand the test of time and that will be logical. Yeah. And if I see something, I can speak appraiser to them, for lack sure. of a better term. And and I think that really helps like, hey, I'm noticing this. What's the rationale behind that? Right. And I think over time, slowly and slowly, we'll build and build and build and just have the best in the business and all the markets that we serve. I love it. That's yeah. so good. So um, one more one last thing I want to talk about is, is technology and how, you know, the people have always tried to automate everything, right? You can't, you can automate some, some aspects of, of an appraisal. Like you look at Redfin or Zillow and the Zestimate, right? And you get to get their value, but you know, there's always going to be a need, I think for an appraiser, a human to, to look at it. Like, but do you think, what do you think of the, the AMC, not the AMC, the, what do they call the, the, oh, um, the AVM? AVMs. Yeah. Like yeah. what do you think of AVMs? What's your take AVMs on AVMs are fantastic with some caveats. Right. Is it a, basic property like there's a lot of properties like it is it like right is homo- it a cookie cutter yeah is it, is it a homogeneous neighborhood with everything's very similar similar year built similar size similar acreage and there's a lot of turnover in that mm-hmm. it's probably better right you know because the percentage of nicer upgrades or views aren't even 
a factor when there's that much transactions. When it's unique, the AVMs are rendered useless. Right, right. Yeah. You need a human set of eyes because they can't see an ocean view. They can't see a busy street. Mm-hmm. They can see, you know, a 1982 kitchen in a, in 2019. <laughs> so. It just depends property to property how logical they are. Right, right. Yeah. And then um, talking about fraud, appraisal fraud, I remember back in the day there was, uh, uh, I think it was AmeriQuest mortgage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the story mm-hmm. where like they were using a dead appraiser's license, just making up whatever appraisal they want and whatever values they wanted. And, you know, it probably worked for, for a good amount of time. Have you seen any fraud in appraisals in the last, since the crash? No, not since the crash. I did see some shady stuff. Yeah, I know they were actually amending PDFs. You, know, you can buy the special software and you know, right. even back then. Just flipping a zero. Yeah, I want a zero here and a nine here <laughs> instead of a two. So super shady. It's going to get caught like any cheater sooner or later. Right. But I haven't seen a lot of fraud. Um, it's hard to do that. It's, it's hard to do it. That's, especially with Zillow because Zestimate's so awesome. Yeah, oh, those are great. <laughs> if an appraiser ever talks about a Zillow yeah. estimate. Zestimate. Zestimate. <laughs> Um, they're not an appraiser. No. And I don't know of anyone or never heard of one that would, we have MLS access like the realtors. Right. See all the confidential remarks. And just like any business, the pro knows the stuff. Yeah. A little computer is not going to tell you much unless it's big development, everything being exactly the same and a lot of turnover. That's good, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave us with to, to, to our brokers that are watching? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're here for you. We, um, if a deal goes low, like you think it should have been two million, and it's one eight, and you have some decent comps, I speak appraiser. Yep. I think it's a great service that we give to our brokers. That like, you're not just having a loan officer or a processor mm-hmm. or an account manager saying this value should be this because I think it should be. Right. No, we're gonna have them with reason, with comparables, with good data, yep. and a logical explanation of it to maybe give it a chance. I mean, they're going to sign it and they're going to agree to it or not. But at least if you say, speak their language yep. and use the professional terms and look like you know what you're doing, I think you have a better chance at it. And that's definitely something we can provide. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you here, Don. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on. All right. That was fun. Thanks, John. All right. So it happens to the best of us. Appraisals sometimes come in low. What do you do when it comes in low? Is the deal dead? No, the deal's not dead. You get a HELOC. Our HELOCs go up to 90 LTV, up to 500,000 self-employed borrowers, 12 months bank statements. So don't worry if that appraisal comes in low. Either do a rebuttal, but if the rebuttal doesn't work, which sometimes they don't, get a HELOC from Fund Loans. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund loans together.